0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. But Good and turn to Ephesians 6, and it will be in Psalm 1 also. But um, uh, we all want to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant very simple recipe there. Good is your character. Faithful is your consistency, all right? So you focus on those two things, your character. Character is when nobody's looking, who you are with God, who you are as a man, who you are as a woman, Um, but then also just being faithful. It's not always easy to be faithful, is it? But uh, uh, what's, the, what's the thing is um, the person who's faithful is actually the one who not only will, um, will finish the race, but potential to win the race. Um, we're going to there be in Ephesians 6 and in Psalm 1. I want to share just a quick um, story with you. There's a photographer for a national magazine, and he was assigned to get photos of a great forest fire. Uh, and uh, smoke uh, at the scene had hampered him, so he asked the home office to hire a plane for him. So arrangements were made and he was told to go at once to a nearby airport. Uh, Again, the arrangements were made and the plane would be waiting for him there. So he arrived, he pulled up and there was a plane uh, in a near runway warming up. So he jumped in the plane with his equipment and he immediately said, let's go, let's go. And the pilot swung the plane into the wind and they're quickly into the air. So they flew over the north side of the fire the, ph- the photographer said uh, to the pilot, he said, make two or three um, uh, low-level passes over the fire. And uh, the pilot said, why? He said, because I'm going to take pictures of the fire. I'm a photographer. I take pictures. Well, after a short pause, the young pilot said, you mean you're not the instructor? <laughs> Almost every time in our lives, mistakes that we've made, and we raise your hand if you ever made a mistake. Every mistake you've ever made, Dennis was a big mouth. He really was. He was a big, that's why he got swirly. He said that, uh, I I came in her life when he's just just turning seven, he had the biggest mouth ever, and uh, he needed every swirly he got. He got more than one, Uh, and I've always been proud of him, but sometimes you got to do discipline kids, right? And that's, that's the way That's the way it was with him. But he's grown into that mouth, and God's used it in a wonderful way. He's got a wonderful um, love for the Lord and uh, a big voice and testimony. And, Dennis, I'm proud of you. But you think about every mistake we've ever made, most every one of them, unless it takes your life, is recoverable. Um, but then there's some that really do us damage and really can impede our progress in life. And you just wish, man, I just wish I'd never done that. Well, the thing we're talking about here tonight, neglecting this, is almost an irreparable uh, mistake, and it's it's just simply the Word of God, elaborating more on what we talked about this morning. You've probably heard the statement, I'm going to say it once, and I want you to repeat it after me. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Say that with me. If you always do what you've always done, then you'll always get what you've always got. You're familiar with that statement. Truth is, is if you want a different outcome... You got to have a different action, right? If you want peace of heart, you're gonna have to do at least some of those things we mentioned this morning. Your preacher mentions those every week. You turn on the Christian radio, you hear all those things, but we're fools, really, if we are hearers and never do. Um, we just, in fact, he calls it self-deception, uh, deceiving your own selves. That's James chapter four. A double-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it just means two-souled. I say I trust God, but I don't live it. I say I trust God and want to trust God, but I don't pick up his word. And I thought I'd start off tonight, and this is, this is convicting for all of us, but by comparison, how much time do you spend on a computer versus your Bible? Now, again, there is, I'm not a legalistic person, and this is not saying that you need to spend so much, but do you spend an adequate enough time for yourself? I think some people could probably just get by with, one minute a day in the word. Why? Because it affects and, it, and, it, and they meditate on the word and it changes and transforms them because that's their personality. Some, some of us would probably spend five hours a day and still, we need more. Uh, but you think about it this way. Um, you say, well, I don't understand about being in the word enough. Well, look at about a vehicle. A vehicle, it usually needs four to five uh, quarts of oil. One is not enough. One or two might get it by, but it's going to smoke and it's going to hurt the longevity of that vehicle. Follow me. That's the same thing with the Word of God. You need as much, and that's where we're talking about. Psalm one today, tonight, meditating on God's Word. So it's not just hearing it, reading it, being about it. I believe, and I tell our church all the time, if you read one chapter, let's just say five verses, for the next six months, and it really got a hold of you. That's really enough. (laughs) You understand the point? Because that is the power of the word of God changing you, growing you, uh, uh, um, making you into the image of Christ. Ephesians 6, let's go right into it. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickery, the deceit of the devil. Talked a little bit about that this morning in our spiritual battle. Satan deceives you. With time, uh, many are erroneously believe that oh no, he only tempts my flesh. No, he tempts your mind, he tempts uh, your um, attitude, so many things. But the trickery of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I always try to remind myself of that. And our church is that the wrestling match really you're involved in is against satanic powers, not human powers. The world wants to make you wrestle against a Democrat, make you wrestle. And there's philosophical differences, don't get me wrong, absolutely. But they are not our enemy. Uh, There are other created human beings, lost and saved, absolutely. But our enemy is the devil. Our enemy is demonic forces. And when you keep that in mind, it gives you a greater understanding and compassion for your fellow man. Amen? And that's absolutely what we need. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness, in heavenly. That's, that literally means spiritual places, the things that you can't see. Take unto you the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand, second time, third time, stand. Remember we talked about Greco-Roman wrestling this morning. The goal was to stand, stay standing, not get thrown on your back. Uh, And I didn't elaborate on it much, but I will right now. Is since they wrestled naked, they were the reason why is so that the opponent could not get a uh, a grip on anything, and they also um, had oil on themselves. The point being is in this wrestling match with Satan, if you are in known sin, you give him a grabbing hold, a place to accuse you, a place to get in your mind and tell you, you're not really trying. You're not really working at it. You're not really sincere. Does that make sense to everyone? You give Satan um, a foothold, a grabbing point. Um, And so he says, stand, therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with peace above all. Three things. Take faith as a shield. Uh, Take the helmet of salvation or keep your mind Talked about that this morning. Take the, tonight, sword of the Spirit. Probably you've heard that for years, but have you really let it sink in right there? The sword of the what? Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses His Word when it's in your heart, and when you hear it, and when you know it. It's not just, you know, just an offensive weapon. It is His, so we've got the fruits of the Spirit. We've got the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody's been gifted, but we have also the sword of the Spirit, it's the word of God. At a picnic, someone had, a, had placed a, a basket full of apples, and on one end of the table, a, a sign saying, take only one apple, please. Remember that God is watching. On the other end of the table, a plate of cookies were placed, and someone else placed a sign saying, take all the cookies you want. God's watching the apples. <laughs> Re, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick, alive, active, we don't hardly get that, but alive and active. Jesus, the living word, the word of God, the written word, it's alive and active. Mean, just meaning it, it, uh, it, it's effective, it, it, it's going to accomplish something. It's uh, living, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder, again, of the soul and the spirit. The joints and marrows, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are, what's he say? Naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, what you need to realize is that there's no pretense with God. Don't fool yourself. Dennis said, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, hey, you don't have to wear a tie, Uh, no big deal, and I don't necessarily always wear a tie, but it doesn't matter about a tie or not, because God sees you for who you really are. Honestly, I caught that early on in the ministry. It, it, God could care less. Even though we got denominations and groups and doesn't, not just Baptists, all different kinds of people, you need to look this way, talk this way. But honestly, if it's not in the Bible, shut your mouth about it. And, uh, and it's, it's God's truth. Amen, it really is. It's God's truth. Uh, but don't be a dummy. Don't be foolish. And be careful of your testimony. Bottom, bottom line is, you're not going to impress God. Okay? God loves you the way you are. Amen. He loves you the way you are. Don't pray to impress God. He already knows uh, what you have before you need it. He already knows what you're going to say. Remember the Pharisee and the, the publican. So the word of God's like a sharp sword, piercing, it penetrates, has that quality, that character. It's razor sharp. It penetrates as an instrument or a scalpel. And it distinguishes us when it's in our heart, uh, used by the Holy Spirit of God because it's a sword of the Spirit to, to convict us and tell us really what's right and wrong. Sometimes it can get confusing because preachers and theology can tell you this is right or wrong, but really it's the Word of God. And you need mentors and preachers, but you got to discern. Said years ago, and I, I still say it at our church, check your hat at the back, but don't check your brain. Come in here and you think. Are you being told the truth? Are you? And, and if so, live it. Amen? It's the Word of God. Um, so... The word of God does that. We also know that it's eternal. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall not pass away, Jesus says. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord will stand forever. Forever, O Lord, Psalm 119, thy word is settled in heaven. It's the eternal word the spirit of God uses. The living word, Jesus Christ, his written word, that uh, is one of those eternal things. Only the member, the souls of men and the words of God are eternal. My favorite passage, and we'll take a few points off of this tonight and we'll be done, is Psalm 1. Um, turn there if you would. Psalm 1 tonight, five verses. It's a very stark contrast in Psalm 1. Same actually through Proverbs 10 through 25. There's actually over 325 different Proverbs contrasting uh, the godly man with the wicked man, the righteous with the unrighteous. And you see the same thing very clearly right here in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, blessed or happy is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you want godly counsel, you need to be around godly people. Ungodly people have good counsel, but they're really not going to give you godly counsel, right? Uh, I mean, think about it. Most... Uh, people are like, man, if she's treating you like that, he's treating you like that, leave them. It's not godly counsel. And it's tough sometimes to stay. Uh, but don't be in the counsel of the ungodly. Remember, you're walking with them. It's a progression here, honestly. Or stand in the way with sinners. Or sit in the seat of the scornful. The lost need Jesus. But there is an effect when you spend just your main time with them and not the people of God. Um, verse two, his delight, the godly man, is in the law of the Lord, in other words, the Word of God and in his law here we see it again does he meditate day and night again, meditate means to muse it means to consider you can do it with the Bible open, but it's even better if it's on your heart uh, you've gone through a particular rough stretch well you might uh, be quote quoting uh, some of the psalms. Uh, you're fighting temptation. You might be reading or quoting some things in Ephesians. Whatever it is on your heart, you're musing and meditating. Maybe you're discouraged and anxious, and uh, maybe it's even a chemical or a vitamin or a mineral mineral deficiency. Nevertheless, you need God's Word and His strength and substance in you. But if it's not there, you can't meditate on it. And that's what I said. Some mistakes are recoverable, but neglecting the Word of God, certainly for salvation, amen, It's it's ir- you cannot recover from that. If you lose your soul uh, eternally, there's no recovery. But listen, you forfeit all of God's blessings, all of God's blessings and health, um, strength, purpose. Uh, That's why, did you realize 85%, 80 to 85% of NBA stars, NFL stars, Hollywood, their marriages end in divorce. But we've got a whole world that wants to be just like them. But they're not happy. Why are they not happy? They've got all the things because things do not bring happiness. Amen? It's the word of God. He's got you right where he wants you, and he's blessing you just like you are, uh, and uh, be thankful for it. He says right here, he will meditate on the word day and night, and if he meditates, not just reads it, not just did his devotions or her devotions. I'm not making that a trite statement, but just did your thing, no, but you're really absorbing it and it's affecting you. It's enough to make the, 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 run, the car run effectively. You understand? And I think it can be different for everybody. Um, he meditates on it day and night. He will be like a tree. A tree. He says, well, That's no big deal. Why not like a mountain? Why not like a house? Why not like something bigger and more substantial? Well, he goes on and says, The ungodly are like chaff. So by comparison to the godly who meditates on God's word, not just good things and happy thoughts, no, God's words, they'll, they'll be solid and steady and uh, lasting for and, and usable. And that's our points to here tonight. We'll go through them real quick. But the ungodly who have no depth, no truth, no structure, no morality, at least biblically, man, they're easily blown away at every little thing. They're like chaff. Let's run into it. Uh, ten quick points here, trees, about trees, who you are and who you want to be, I believe. Uh, say amen if you love the Lord. Amen. amen. You have the opportunity, not because I said so, not because you're important or powerful, to be substantive in your walk with Christ if, not if you do things, but if you mainly get into God's word. And whatever it takes for you to, to, to understand that, talk to your pastor, talk to others, do it yourself. I, I, I believe we, we focus with our own children over the years more memorization than just write out reading a bunch uh, because you want stuff to stick with you. Amen. Um, so uh, number one, trees are fixed things. Trees are fixed things. Their roots go down deep for stability. They're stable, steady, strong and reliable. <clears throat> you realize what a taproot is. Don and I bought a piece of property a couple years ago, two years ago, and, and it was treed, a treed piece of property. had a lot of stumps on it. And uh, we've literally pulled up, either by hand or with a backhoe uh, or my tractor, about 40 stumps. And every one of them are two, three foot in diameter. And the reason why they're so stinking tough Is because, first off, you don't put a chainsaw in the dirt, (laughs) right? Uh, It'll dull it if you've ever done that. Secondly, uh, they've got a tap root that goes right down the middle. And they go three, four, five foot sometimes. I mean, it's just a big V root that goes. And the reason why you read they have tap roots is because it provides strength, but that is where it gets its main nourishment from. And uh, when you can't get water nourishment from anywhere else, it goes to the tap root. Right there, but it makes it steady. It's a stable tree. The scripture says there um, in Colossians, it says, as you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. As you've been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Always like when one of uh, Paul, Peter, whoever it is, John wrote, writes, says something, he says, Don't forget Thanksgiving. (laughs) Why? Because do it with a thankful heart. Amen. Have gratitude. Quit asking God for more stuff when you're not thankful for what you got. If anything, we've told our kids is, listen, shut your mouth until you've at least told me uh, thank thank you for what you've got. (laughs) Uh, Don was a lot nicer. Um, Number two, trees, not only do roots go down deep, and of course they search for water. And by the way, where do we get the water? What's the comparison of the water? Watering of the water of the word. Um, Number two, trees are landmarks. They're often used as landmarks because they stand tall and higher than their surroundings. Obviously, this is not a pride issue. Um, But similarly, as you grow in Christ, you think about it. They have leaders in the church, leaders in the community, leaders in the home. They stand tall. They're not trying to necessarily stand tall, but because they're grounded and steady. And by the way, not prideful, not arrogant, not trying to get attention. It's, it's a, the Proverbs are full of it. It says that uh, God resists the proud, he says in 1 Peter, but he gives grace to the humble. But he says over and over in the Proverbs is that God advances the humble and lowly. You don't believe it? Yeah, that's what exactly he does. But he abases or puts down those who are filled with uh, pride. Whether well, they're an example of their family, their community, their church. Their lives, um, because of the word, are noticeable, compelling, noteworthy, emulatable. In other words, people see and say, man, you've had people like that. I'd, I'd like to be more like that person. I like their character. I like their demeanor. I like just the way they're chilled, you know, whatever it is. Um, I, 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 I admire that person. That's not always a godly trait, but many times it is. Uh, And that's what the Bible, we're seeing right here about trees because that's just another thing. They're landmarks. Let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers and word, conversation, charity, faith, and purity. Number three, trees are living things. What do you mean by living things? Well, he says there in Psalm 1 5, he brings forth his fruit in his season. Everything living goes through seasons. Don't miss this important point. You were once were young, <laughs> now you're older. Uh, it's a season. Seasons are typified in the created order. God intended it to be that way. It's going to be that way for all of us. There's spring, summer, harvest, winter. There's dry seasons, cold seasons, damp seasons, hot seasons. But think about it, truly, if you're not careful, you can complain through them all, as good as anybody. Amen? Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, it's cold, and you can't wait till it gets warm. Then it gets warm, and you can't wait till it gets cold again. And what you're, everybody hears you say is, I really love fall. No, I really love winter. No, I really love summer. Bottom line is, we're fickle. <laughs> and uh, nothing wrong with that. It's all of us. We're not satisfied. We're we're, uh, um, we take things for granted, but you need to realize the created order of God is just like living things have seasons, our, our lives are seasons. Not every marriage is always just as strong as you thought it was going to be. Not every kid is perfect all the time, like Dennis's kids. You know, that's... another uh, uh, wonderful kids, but they go through seasons. Everything goes through seasons. But think about it. The godly man, the godly woman who meditates on God's word, is like a tree, and they remain steady through every season. Did you catch that? Through every season. I'm not making the word say something else, and then maybe not say it right there, but it says that through the Bible. There's a consistency. There's a a genuineness. And guess what? Back to realizing that it's really always been about God and the, the consistency of who we are with God. He sees you like you are. The godly man and woman progresses normally through all the seasons of life and has a consistent history of fruitfulness at the right times. Listen, you're not perfect, but you're steady. Amen. Faithful, good, and faithful. Your character and your consistency. Number four, trees are strong in dry times. His leaf also shall not wither. A lot of times when winter comes, obviously, trees lose their leaves. Summer, the grass gets parched and yellow. But because the tree and the scripture here in Psalm 1 is planted by the rivers of water, that's where he gets his nourishment. Same thing with the godly persons, the word of God. See, we keep coming back to that, right? Because that's the thing. Even in dry times, I believe 2020 was a dry time. (laughs) But did you hear it this morning? I hope you did. The only group that did better in mental health was those who attended religious services often and regularly. Did you hear that, Dennis? Man, I'd say he probably already knew that. That's a powerful, powerful statement. That's truth. Of course, we already, we already knew that. Number five, trees are unmoved by storms. Listen, don't get me wrong. In a storm, what happens to a tree? Have you ever seen them? Now we live in trees. Limbs fall off. Sometimes they break, <laughs> but it's scary because those things are swaying 15 foot this way, depending on the size of the tree. But strong trees who are stable and have deep roots, guess what? They continue to stand. Doesn't mean they never move. Doesn't mean they never sway or get achy, right? But they're steady, they're reliable, they're dependable, they're unwavering. Like a tree, the man of God is shaken at times by the winds of life. Difficulty might leave him shaken and battered, but he's never uprooted and moved. Again, because he's stable, because of the words, he's deeply rooted. And by the way, long after other people have moved on, he, she, they continue to stand strong and reliable. Why? Because they know the secret. The secret's God's word. That's it. It's love. It's not, you know, I wasn't checking Dennis on God doing great things because he's always been doing great things. And if he chooses to do greater things, praise God. Amen. But we're going to shoot for greater things. There's nothing wrong with that. But the bottom line is, is uh, whether greater things are done than we think should be done, the, st- the, the godly man, because of the word, is stable. He stays steady. Amen? <clears throat> He's a pillar in his church community. He's not succumbed to the popular temptation to get bitter, angry, cynical, when adversity comes. Number six, trees provide shade for others. You think about it, you think a tree wakes up every day and says, I'm going to provide some shade for somebody. No, he just does it naturally. You understand the point? I mean, it's just, it's a natural thing. Um, probably nothing better on a hotter day to have some lemonade or whatever you choose to drink and uh, Dr. Pepper for my wife, uh, but go underneath a tree in a comfortable chair and have the breeze in the shade blowing across. I grew up in Kansas. There's a lot of humidity there. It's a nice break. Um, But a tree doesn't just think, I'm going to provide shade for Zeke today. No, trees just provide shade naturally. Amen? You think about that, right? That's That's just the nature of a tree. People will find strength in you when you find strength in God. But if you are not finding strength in God and stability, guess what? They're going to think, ah, I'm going to find another tree. (laughs) That's not about you anyhow. Obviously, they're finding strength and shade in God, but you are his representative. Amen? You're his ambassador. And uh, I'm not trying to make this about us at all, but we're uh, seemingly finding strength and stability because of him. Number seven, trees are useful things. This is one of my favorite especially the palm tree. The palm tree has over 800 different benefits for it. How many you remember uh, George Washington Carver? Ever heard of him? Uh, black man, scientist, and he asked God, he says, God, show me the secrets of your creation. And uh, God, in his biography, says, uh, no, George, I'll just sh- show you the uh, secrets of the lowly peanut. And God opened up 800 secrets for the peanut for George Washington Carver. Uh, Just amazing what God can do with his creation. Of course, he opened that up to this man. But think about it. Trees are useful things, and they're most useful. We've been talking about living trees, but they're most useful when they die because they build homes, bridges, furniture, paper, railroads, heat, musical instruments. Even the old rugged cross was built from a tree. Its leaves also during life provide oxygen. Its roots prevent soil erosion. Remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. He said it best in Galatians two twenty, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't frustrate the grace of God, he says. In other words, I don't confuse it. He says, I'm crucified. I got to crucify me. Imbells there? you got to do it. you got to crucify pride. Bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, clamor, evil speaking, but put away from you with all maliciousness and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You're most useful when you die, and I don't mean in, uh, under six feet of dirt, uh, although that's the end of all men if Christ doesn't come back, and you still have a lot of value then by your testimony and your stance, but truth, truthfully... When you die and let Christ live through you, that's when you're most valuable as a tree. Tree's a thing of refuge. Bugs and, and uh, people find refuge in and, under, in and under a tree. Number nine, last two, trees are fruitful things. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. It's a powerful statement there. Whatever the person who abides and meditates and abides in the word of God, whatever he does will prosper. What a promise. (laughs) It's similar, by the way, to Joshua 1.8. You probably know it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do everything that's written therein, and then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. There's no other promise of success in life apart from the words of God. The tree, remember Jesus said it a different way, but Matthew chapter seven, Sermon on the Mount, he says, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, it's the word, whoever hears these sayings of mine, I like them unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The winds come, the rains blow and beat upon the house. And guess what? It doesn't fall. But whoever uh, is a fool and doesn't hear and obey my words, uh, guess what? There's gonna be a great fall through life every day. Um, if you've seen yourself, man, just like uh, he says in James 1.8, he says, uh, a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for every man that wavers is like the wave of a sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In other words, don't be wavering in your life, your meditation, your confidence, is your confidence in Christ or not? Uh, amen, it is. Well, quit complaining. Shut your mouth and quit <laughs> belly aching all the time, right? I mean, that's what we see. That discourages other Christians because they want you to act like a tree. They're expecting that. They need that. I need that. You need that from me. Amen. Somebody say amen. We need that in one another. It's not just positive thinking. It's, it's a reality that, well, if God's got me here. God must know what he's doing. Amen? And it's not easy, I realize. But we've got to quit being bitter and complaining. And uh, it's aggravating. Here am I, is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. The last one, trees are growing things. Really, the we've said it a few times already, but the river is synonymous for the place of nourishment and also synonymous for the Spirit of the Lord. The term rivers of water, it speaks of the presence and the power of God. The tallest tree on record is the Douglas fir that was felled in 1940. It was 417 feet tall. Are you manifesting, this is not to get under your skin, but are you manifesting love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance? By the way, that's a fruit, not that you can manufacture, but again, of the Spirit. And remember, let's put the correlation together. You have 1 Corinthians uh, says, um, 6, 19, 20, what know you're not, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you which you have, God, you're not your own, you've been bought the price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. So you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, he's called the Holy Spirit. He's taken up residence in you. But this is called the sword of the Spirit. So he wants to use his word in and through you to convict you, not condemn you, but to encourage you, to, to move you, to motivate you, to, yes, see people saved, but also see people discipled. And the more you're changed by the word, the more change you're going to be. I liked uh, what D.L. Moody said years ago. He says he's teaching some students, and he, his, he said, you know, our attempt in the flesh to get over a habit or fleshliness is uh, just, it's, it's, fruit, it's fruitless many times because what's done in the power of the flesh. So he took a pitcher of water, filled it halfway, and uh, he says, well, how can I get the air out of this pitcher? You've probably heard this story before, and, of course, a lot of different uh, thoughts, and one says, Well, take a vacuum. He says, Well, that might bust the pitcher. So all he simply did was take another pitcher of water and pour water into the half full pitcher of water. And guess what happened to the air? Well, it went out. And the reason why it did is because as the scripture says that it says, If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what you need, not necessarily is more, less sin, you need more of the word and more of the spirit. Amen. That's what you need. That's really the answer. Your attempt, your attempt is, I'm going to stop doing this smoke and drink and dance and blah, 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 whatever it is uh, that you think is wrong. Uh, but truth of the matter is, that's just your man, man's attempt, and that's why it fails so miserably. But you need to put the Spirit, the Word of God, constantly in your heart. Amen. Amen. This is what your preacher says all the time. This is what uh, happens all the time. By the way, we have two dance nights. Uh, At our church, this, (laughs) this, you're not a Baptist church then. Uh, We've got some professional dancers in our church. And it's just a, anyhow, side note. uh, I'll close with this. By the way, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Amen. Searching for a vessel, the master was searching for a vessel to use. And on the shelf, there were many that he would choose take me cried the gold one i'm shiny and bright i'm of great value i do things just right my beauty and luster will outshine the rest and for someone like you master gold would be the best unheeded the master passed on to the brass it was wide mouthed and shallow and polished like glass here here cried the vessel i know i will do Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride, and I'm sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master next came to a vessel of wood, polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit and not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on a shelf, nor the one who is big mouth and shallow and loud, nor the one who displays his content so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthly vessel filled with my power and my might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it, and filled it that day, spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do, just pour out to others as I pour into you. Amen. That's what you are. I heard this statement years ago. I try to live it. My wife tries to live it. That I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. Amen? It's a simple, humble way that God wants us to live. And we're just that dirt vessel. Amen? That he spoke life into. He made us a living soul. And you can cleanse that soul by the word. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.